to the Action Podcast. Here's your host, my dad. Well, welcome back to the XM Podcast. We appreciate all of our listeners and how with each episode, this little podcast continues to grow. So I just want to say thank you. I don't know of a time in my life when mental health has been more prevalent of a conversation, certainly in the media and in our culture. Today, we're going to be having a conversation around how the whole body is connected with our emotional well-being and health. Today's interview focuses in on our guest's experience with chronic pain, multiple surgeries, loss, and grief, and then how her faith, along with two little miracles, helped her find the purpose in life's adversities. Please welcome to the XM Podcast, a good friend of mine, Crystal McCann. Yeah, my name is Crystal McCann. I am married to my husband, Austin, of 10 years. He is a pastor at our church, and then we have two little ones. Brianna is four and a half. You mm-hmm. have to have the half, and That's Zion right. is three. So before we get into it, um, we'll share a little bit about how we know each other. When when you said our church, you include me in that because mm-hmm. that is uh, you and I go to church together, and um, we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. And um, I just love the fact that our, our kids, especially our daughters around the same age, and uh, have become such really good friends, and, and they're so stinking cute together and, and play together every Sunday morning, which I love. And so that's been a really cool thing to kind of get to know you and Austin through our kids that way and share a little bit about, you know, we're going to get into your story today. I mean, this goes back early on for you. Like, talk to us a little bit about your experience with um, kind of our topic that we're going to be discussing today. Um, So my story starts right in the hospital the moment I was born. My mom quickly noticed something wasn't right, uh, and I was diagnosed um, with Hirschsprung's disease, which is where um, your intestine just has parts where the nerves are dead. So at a few days old, I had my first surgery, and they removed some colon and then um following that i had four four more surgeries before i was five so i I had not heard of that before and you and i've uh kind of during a pre-interview kind of talked about this is that something that's common is that something that i guess i i I don't know that i've heard of of that no you Uh, probably haven't heard of it it's pretty rare and it's um from my research usually found in um males And um, a lot of times it comes with um, Down syndrome and other things like that. So it is pretty rare that I, of all people, have it. So talk to me a little bit about that then. Um, What does that mean? You know, before the age of five, you've already had multiple surgeries. Yeah. So the first surgery uh, just removed the dead piece of colon and then I had a colostomy bag. Uh, They then reversed that. And then I also then had another surgery right before five, I think where I had over 100 adhesions clipped that were causing a blockage. That's a lot of trauma very early on, probably much of which you don't have a whole lot of recollection. I bet you have some recollection of that. I think that it it makes me more aware of my body, um, hyper alert of like waiting for something to go wrong because I'm so good at making scar tissue. I always had to be aware of every little feeling in my abdomen. And so, I mean, I had all of that scar tissue already. And then at five is when they clipped some adhesions, some 100. And <laughs> so then, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so just a constant awareness of every little feeling and knowing that at some point it could be happening again. And that little pain that I feel could turn into something huge. So yeah, a constant awareness, I think. Yeah. And 
how, how much awareness at you know five six seven years old did you have of uh, there's some pretty serious physical issues that I've been experiencing already that you know I, I know a lot of people experience things but that's probably not um, for the average person or, or maybe the kids that you were hanging out with um, how, how does that affect you um, I think I blocked a lot of it out hmm. and I think even now I'm thinking like I don't have a lot of memories from that time in my life and I do think that some of it was my body trying to recover from trauma and I'm not able to remember a lot of things um, and so like looking back on it I do have I remember thinking at fr- like at friends houses oh this doesn't feel right I hope it's not you know my body hurt, being really sick again and um, my friends didn't have to think about those things yeah. but I was constantly aware even at like 7 and 10 and just knowing that at some point my body could and will get sick again it's mm-hmm. always on your mind even as a seven-year-old yeah i i find it interesting and you you can uh, tell me if i'm right or wrong but i th- i feel like god's put like this on and off switch in the brain especially for young kids who experience heavy life traumas knowing that maybe at five years old six years old seven years old he understands we don't have the ability to process all this stuff. And so there's almost like a healthy dissociation, you know, working with a lot of um, families and kids who have experienced different traumas in childhood. It's almost like God puts this switch on that allows us to, in a healthy way. I remember, I'll rewind a little bit, being early on in my uh, mental health career, hearing the word dissociation and going, oh, that's so scary and horrible. But then the more and more I've learned about it, there's some unhealthy dissociation, but I also think there's some healthy dissociation that God gives us to kind of help us through difficult times. I, I don't know if that was kind of your experience or not. Yeah, I feel like it probably was a really healthy disassociation until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've really been processing more yeah. recently. So before we get into that, from five years old on... Uh, over the next however many years of childhood, what, what was life like for you then? Um, how how was your health, and, and what did that look like? Uh, I think I had a pretty normal childhood um, along the health-wise. From 5 until 18, was very healthy, was living life like any other mm-hmm. friend was, aside from just knowing that that was a possibility and that I had that. So there was concern in the back of your mind that there might be an issue, but really from five to 18, pretty normal life, pretty healthy. Yeah. And that's great. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about then what life looks like after 18. So at 18 years old, I was captain of my swim team and had a really great career ahead of me, Um, had all of the friends and was just living my normal 18 year old life, ready to go off to school the next year. And swimming got hard, and I started experiencing pain on my sciatic nerve. Um, like my legs would start to feel tingling and numbness, uh, and then just a lot of pain in my lower back um, and my hips. And so we started to investigate that, and had many, many appointments and second opinions and all of that. And I was then told at 18 that I had scar tissue that had built a cyst-like structure in my abdomen. They told me that it was somewhere between the size of two softballs or a volleyball, and that it contained fluid in the in, in the middle. So you're 18 years old. What happens after that diagnosis? So with that diagnosis came the um, knowledge that it 
the scar tissue, the way it forms, it had formed in and around, like, th- it, like, throws itself across the um, abdomen and, like, lands on something else. So, it had made its way around my ovaries, my tubes, and some more bowel. And so, it kind of just created itself in the little space that it had there. Um, and so, with that knowledge, I was made aware that I could possibly have infertility struggles mm-hmm. when that time came. Um, and so, then I had to process that at 18 years old when that wasn't even on my mind, aside from the fact that I had always wanted to be a mother. Sure. So what are the next steps? So the next steps were to live with the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so from 18 on, they told me, just live with the pain, just as long as you can make it, push through the pain. So I you know, would try to go to concerts and I wouldn't be able to stand for very long because I had such bad pain. They put me on all kinds of medicine to try to help those pains, but I mean, there's only so much that those can do. And then sleeping was just awful so i put up with the pain for uh, a really long time at what point do you go this is no way for me to be living in this kind of pain and something we need to address this um so the reason they didn't want me to have the surgery right then and take care of the pain was because they didn't know what that would create in the future so you know have a surgery create more scar tissue they also told me to go on birth control at that time, so to keep everything just calm in my abdomen. Uh, and then flash forward to 25, and um, my husband and I decided to try to start a family. Um, so I went off my birth control with the guidance of a gynecologist who honestly didn't give me a second look and really didn't take into account my chart. And so a couple of months later, maybe not even a couple of months, I came down with a really terrible infection. Um, they don't really even know where it came from. But one Monday evening, I was having a little bit of pain. And the next morning I woke up, I couldn't stand. I couldn't um, do anything other than throw up and call my husband to take me to the hospital. So from, from the age of 18, you realize that you're living with that till it sounds like 25 years old. And then at 25, it gets to the point where something has to be done. Yeah, so, I mean, at that point, it was not even a question of what had to happen. So I spent a week in the hospital. It started off with 12 hours in the emergency room uh, because they thought I was a minor case, just needed a little bit of pain relief. And um, they fought me thinking it was my appendix when I told them over and over again, I don't have an appendix. Mm -hmm. So we wasted a lot of time there and then finally was in the hospital for for, for a full seven days. During that seven days, they tried to fight the infection. They had seen, they'd never seen white blood cell counts as high as mine without going septic. And so a dear friend of mine was an ER nurse at the same hospital and came up to see me every day and would tell me over and over again that I was a miracle Mm -hmm. and that God was doing something because I should be in the ICU and be Mm -hmm. septic Um, and so for that seven days I fought my body fought I was pretty much unconscious the whole time and um, just dealing with so much pain and I mean I remember at one point I was on the floor begging to die begging to go home Mm -hmm. and not feel that pain anymore and so my husband and my mom uh, my dad pretty much stayed by my side the whole time Mm -hmm. and then at day seven they decided that the infection was not going anywhere and they needed to go in and get it out Mm -hmm. so after all of the uh, antibiotics and everything failing they went in and did surgery it was an extremely long surgery they called it um exploratory at first because what do you even call that Mm. um go in for the surgery and ended up removing both ovaries both tubes and more colon And then uh, from that point, I stayed in the hospital for another week. 
uh, just healing. Um, I had to do my own IV antibiotics in order to leave. So went home with an IV and just tried to start the healing process then. Mm -hmm. So after all of that, uh, I can't even imagine the recovery process of something like that. What what is the next phase look like, and and how do you start wrestling with all that has now happened to your body? Yeah, um, physically, my body took a very long time to heal. I mean, I didn't do anything, any kind of activity. Uh, could barely get upstairs for I think six weeks at the very least, and then. Um, yeah, emotionally, it was just a lot to process. Um, a near-death experience that lasted two weeks and then just figuring out what life would look like at that point because my ovaries had been taken and there was no chance of biological children. So I think that it was a, the beginning of a long road to uh, le- relearning my body uh, and healing. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I want to kind of talk about with with all of the, that you've experienced one is the mental health aspect of all of that and how you were able to um navigate that because i would imagine there were some really low lows during that time and you know i'm sure at 18 you experienced a lot when the idea of you know swimming was 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 not going to be an option and then at 25 all of a sudden the um, natural way of having children was um, kind of taken from you as well. And then the second phase, I want to kind of talk about our, how does your faith play into to the, to that process and those difficulties? So talk to me a little bit about your journey with mental health in regards to, and that's kind of what this podcast is about, is how so many people, I think more people than, than we realize, live with chronic pain. And I think it's a, it's a very difficult thing um, that many people battle. And, and from the time you were born into this world, you were dealing with physical issues. And I think a lot of people can relate to that and understand that. And then um, kind of talking about how that then affects us uh, mentally, emotionally. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your journey and experience with that. Yeah, I think I handled it like any 18-year-old would. I panicked for a little bit um, and lost the thing that I loved the most at that time, which was swimming. I went on and tried to help my college. So when I was going to school, I was going to help my college start their team, and that stopped immediately. I, I lost that part of my life, which was a huge part of my mental health because I was able to swim out every emotion I had mm-hmm. and you know really talk to the Lord at that time. Um, and I really think that I grew my faith a lot in the pool, um, as well as every area of my life. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, mentally, like just growing through that, I think that I, again, did not think about, I think I just put it out of my head. And I think I was always supposed to be the strong one. And so I didn't, I didn't dwell a whole lot on that. I just told everybody like, God is good. And I, I'm feeling good now. And you know, the, the classic, I'm good. Everything's good. God's good. I'm good. Um, But really, I think that I had just um, shut everything out and was in a place of um, I didn't know my body. I didn't know um, some of my relationships because I had just turned so inward and kept everything kind of buckled down just to be the strong one, just Mm -hmm. to just to be good. 
now looking back and and knowing that you know that was kind of part of your process and buckling down and kind of being the strong one what what are some things that you would maybe share with somebody who's listening who's doing that what are your thoughts around sharing with somebody that might be currently doing that and holding things in and buckling down um i think finding your people who are going to know when you're in pain and tell you to calm down because I have a high pain tolerance I just push through and mm-hmm. I mean I still have some pain today I, my body is it acts much older than I am because um, I was spiraled right into early menopause surgical menopause because of my surgery so my body really does act like it's much older mm-hmm. um, and so I deal with the pain from that um, so I found people that will just tell me sit down take a break like Mm -hmm. you don't have to go as hard as you normally do it's good to rest your body and in that I've realized that I needed help uh greater than just like my husband and friends and so I've sought out the help of a counselor and then um she even recommended some um trauma-informed movement so I've got two professionals if that's what you want to call it (laughs) sure um helping me figure out my emotional and mental state uh and processing my trauma Mm -hmm. i think what i'm hearing from you which is so important is recognizing for a long time keeping things in and and pushing things down uh being able to have your people your community around you therapy uh, different forms of therapy have all been helpful for, for you. I think it's important for people because we are so ingrained to isolate and withdraw when we're in physical, emotional, spiritual pain. And that's why I think your story is so, so important is like you're experiencing a lot of that, but we're able to realize it's when we go outward and connect with others. And um, that's when we can find the, the healing. Yeah, I think I completely shut down in a lot of those areas. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like the last couple of years that I have started to be more open. I've always been open with my story, so to say, but not the depth of it and not that I was struggling to not be the strong one. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit then about your faith journey through this, because I I would imagine there there were a lot of tough conversations with God, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of difficulties there and and share share a little bit of that first i had to admit that i was weak that wasn't the easiest (laughs) for for i am weak and he is strong yes um i just don't like that i don't like to be weak um yeah so admitting i was weak admitting that i needed some help was the starting point and it was so freeing it was freeing to say I need to sit here in my therapist's office and process, and I need to imagine, I need to see Jesus there holding me on the hospital floor mm. and loving me when I was trying to die. Yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah. It's okay to be weak. It's good to be weak yeah. and admit that so that you can move on and so you can become strong, but only through the strength of Jesus. Yeah. I I'm, I know that people are listening to us, but I saw an emotion come up there. What were you experiencing in that, that moment? It... it it seemed like a mixed thing of emotions as you just shared that. Um, I think that it's, I think it's comfort and joy. Um, yeah, I think it, I think at that moment I truly felt comfort and joy. I think that I was on my, I know I was on my deathbed, but I think in that moment what I felt was looking. So looking back on it in that moment, I just wanted to die. Yeah. But looking back on it through therapy, I've been able to see that Jesus was there on the floor with me, comforting me. Um, 
and what's better than that like yeah at that moment that's all i needed yeah i think it's so powerful to be able to re-experience um the most difficult times in our life but doing it through the lens of the Holy Spirit and being able to reconcile with our inner demons, our inner critics, um, our, you know, um, the lies that we believe, and then being able to be on the floor in a moment where you probably in the moment felt alone, felt disconnected, and then be able to re-experience that and allow the Holy Spirit to go back into time and show you I was draped around you and I was whole, and I can see right now that I, I can I'm noticing that joy and, and, and the emotion that's coming up what, what, what are you feeling it's just weird to say I feel joy about that moment yeah um, and I don't think I would have felt that until recently but um, just knowing that I wasn't alone mm-hmm. um, because that is one of my core fears is being is is experiencing something like that alone and mm-hmm. I wasn't alone I had physical people there with me um, but they weren't coming with me at that moment if I was dying. <laughs> That's so, right. um, That's right. yeah, experiencing that through therapy has been so healing. And yeah. I've been able to move on from that moment. I mean, so much of me dwelt on that moment of I, th- I thought I was going to die there. Mm. And um, so being able to re-experience that through uh, working with my left brain and um, some prayer work and really seeing the Holy Spirit there with me, uh, seeing Jesus there with me and picturing that in my mind is um, so healing. I think that's amazing. Talk to me a little bit about then the next phase of life that you and Austin, who I I think the world of and and love Austin so much, talk to me then, you know, the idea of you guys starting a family looked very different and um, share a little bit of that journey. Yeah, um, I think one of the strands of hope that I held on to um, from 18 until 25 and even beyond is the Lord writing my story. Um, He did it so beautifully, and to look back on it is really comforting. Mm -hmm. Um, My youngest brother was adopted when I was um, nine. Mm -hmm. He joined our family through adoption. And so from that moment on, I kind of could see the future and some foreshadowing in that. and that the Lord was being really kind to me to allow me such a loving relationship through adoption. And so um, we knew when I went into the hospital, Austin and I knew we had conversations when we were dating, and then um, we kind of looked at each other in the hospital and we're like, yeah, this is it. Like, we know we have our confirmation that adoption is how we will build our family. And so um, as soon as my body was healed and I started to look into adoption stuff we had a lot of hard conversations and a lot of um yelling at god and being frustrated with how hard the process was going to be and so surgery was in 2016 and brianna jade was born in 2017 Mm -hmm. um and she quickly won our hearts before Mm -hmm. she was even born we loved that little girl and then in 2019, our little sweet Zion, Lewis, was born, and um, he just lights up our life. So we're really happy to be a family of four. So Crystal, talk to me a little bit about then bringing these two just amazing blessings into your guys's life, you, you and Austin's life. Talk to me about that experience. Yeah, adoption really um, set our family up for some big joy moments and those two kiddos just 
are the best thing to ever come into our home and we are so blessed to get to love them and their first families and um, we truly see adoption um, as a, as brokenness and beauty and we want to experience healing in all of our hearts and so all four of us have things that we are going to process at some point um, and I just always need my kids to know that they are the ones that are helping to heal my soul. And mm-hmm. it's a privilege for me to help them heal theirs, too. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know, some uh, our story, and I've shared a lot of it on the podcast, is, you know, the years of infertility and miscarriage that, that my wife and I went through. And, you know, we are um, have been so blessed through that. And we look back now, and I can see now what God was doing in the midst of it. Um, there were years where I was just like beyond my, my myself. I, I was like, like what God, what are you doing? And I look back now and so much of the pain and the adversity in my life now is starting to make at least some sense at this point. When you look back at what you shared with us today, um, how, how do you look back at all of these very, very intense life experiences? Uh, I see so much that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't think that everybody gets to look back at their life and say, oh, that makes perfect sense. Right. It just does. It, it makes sense in the way that I was processing and thinking and looking forward to the future. And I, I feel really honored to get to be my kids' moms. And I don't for a second regret that I could not have biological children because I get to look at those two mm-hmm. beautiful, smart faces and know that I was meant to be their mom. Um, I was chosen to be their mom and I get to share with them the love of Jesus. I really appreciate your willingness to to share this stuff because hearing other people's life experiences I think helps us navigate life. You know, I always talk about the island effect. When you feel like you're the only one that may be going through difficult things or maybe you feel like you're the only one that has these types of uh, issues with pain or that's why we do these podcasts about people who have overcome depression or whatever it may be so that we can help each other kind of get through this very difficult thing we call life and I, I just appreciate you sharing that yeah I, to- I just remember telling the Lord that I would not take this moment in vain I would not go through two weeks in the hospital I would not be on my deathbed for nothing and if this can help one person just healing, hearing that there's healing and there's hope and even if you're experiencing physical pain still there is healing in the Lord I know a lot of people suffer from very intense chronic physical ailments which can weigh down our mind and spirit Crystal has an amazing way of sharing how God's grace pulled her through some very dark times and a near-death experience. I really appreciate her and just think the world of her family. I hope this episode connected with you on some level or possibly brought someone to your mind that might need to hear a story like this. Please continue to share these interviews with people you feel like would most benefit from them. We appreciate every like and share and especially the comments you give us on all of the platforms. If you have a story or know someone that you think might be a good fit for our show, email us at experience at emerge.org. Well, until next time, or when our Savior comes, God bless.